Hello, beautiful woman. Welcome to the Root Womb Collective Podcast. My name is Haley. I am a holistic womb healer and women's mentor on a mission to guide women just like you back home to your body, womb, cycle, and the earth. In this space, we explore a variety of topics as it relates to womb health, cyclical living, womanhood, feminine embodiment, nourishment, and living our lives as radiant, purposeful women. I am honored that you are here. Thank you for elevating and amplifying the sacred feminine heartbeat. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, beauty. Welcome back to the Root Moon Collective podcast. Or if this is your first time, hello. I am so grateful that you are choosing to spend your sacred time with me today. So we are going to start something new here on the podcast where at the end of the month, I am going to do a Q&A episode. And this has been an idea that has been just floating within my sphere for a little while now. And I am excited to just have it start going. Why not? So we're going to start with June and the topic for today's uh, conversation is going to be period pain. So I got a few questions when I posted in uh, on my Instagram stories the other day. I got a few questions around period pain specifically. That was kind of the major topic that was circulating and, and feeling alive within my community over on Instagram. If you're not following me over there, I am at Root and Womb Co. And so I figured that that would be a good topic for us to start with for our June Q&A. And I want to just kind of start this, this episode off by saying this isn't going to just be a typical episode where I share just some kind of, you know, common nutritional remedies for period pain. I am going to do that. We will be diving into different nourishment practices that can support, uh, you know, having an easeful period. But I really want to invite you into more of a multidimensional perspective on period pain. And what I am constantly doing uh, with my clients at, you know, Rune Womb is looking at the physical and emotional triggers and how they relate to our symptoms. This goes beyond period pain. This is, you know, every type of physical challenge that we might have in our life. But before we dive into uh, remedies and solutions, I want to take a moment here to share about the physiologic and energetic design of menstruation because I feel like this helps to paint a better picture as to why the pain itself can and may be manifesting within your body. You know, if you are someone who experiences period pain, it's probably something that you have struggled with for a while. It's probably something that is very conflicting within your life and and brings forward a lot of challenge, right? And so it's important to kind of understand what is happening within the body. 
So to begin, when we are bleeding, when our womb or our uterus, and I'll be using those terms interchangeably, womb and the uterus are the same thing. So when we're bleeding, uh, you know, our womb is releasing and our cervix opens to allow menstrual blood to flow out of the uterus into the vaginal canal and then out of our bodies. And menstrual blood is this actually really intelligent uh, fluid that is made up of endometrial tissue and uh, liquid and stem cells. This is truly what our blood is built upon. And so when we're bleeding, we are shedding the endometrial lining or the endometrial tissue, which is the innermost lining of the uterus. There's three different kind of uh, linings of the uterus and the endometrial tissue is the innermost lining. And so this endometrial tissue, it builds and it sheds cyclically, right? So every 25 to 35 days, ideally, if we have a regular consistent cycle, we are building and shedding this innermost part of our womb. And I'm always reminding women within my community on social media and also my clients that this tissue of, of our endometrial lining is essentially a culmination of physical and emotional residue over the past cycle. So throughout our entire cycle, that lining is building as a result of our nourishment, as a result of our lifestyle and what we have been putting in our body, whether that's something that's good or something that's bad. It's also responding to our own emotional state and our emotional frequency, right? Our emotions have physical uh, ways of manifesting within the body. And so when we're bleeding, we are releasing, we're releasing this, uh, you know, built up physical residue from the cycle previously. And so menstruation within my eyes is so integral for the female body because it really serves to empty the womb, right? We're emptying the womb of all of the things from that past cycle again, you know, the foods that we've been eating, the supplements we may or have not been taking, as well as unprocessed emotions such as anger and sadness, you know, trauma, and even different ancestral patterns. And so, you know, with this opening and this releasing of menstruation, it's very much a time of rejuvenation, of clearing and emptying and letting go. It's a time within our female hormonal cycle when our hormones are the lowest that they will be. So within our menstrual cycle, our hormones are, ebb are ebbing and flowing, right? And during menstruation, they are at their lowest, which is why we might feel more tired or less energetic. It's not, you know, our body cursing us. It is the true blueprint of our hormonal design. So with knowing that menstruation is this time of letting go, it's this time of clearing, it's this time of emptying and slowing down, it's also a time of reflection. So I teach this in a class of mine called Medicine of Menstruation, where our bleed can actually really be this beautiful time of reflection and insight over our previous cycle and also just our life as a whole, 
we can receive really clear insights as to what may be working and what may not be working. So that's just kind of a brief overview of menstruation. Uh, and now I want to expand a little bit into the pain element and why pain with menstruation can manifest. So as always, you know, when our body is expressing pain, it's important that we understand that while that symptom within the female body might be very common, and you probably know multiple friends and family members who also experience period pain, just because something is common does not mean that it's normal. Our womb is not designed to be in pain while we are bleeding. And so many women just think that that is part of being a woman, that, you know, part of bleeding, part of living in this cyclical body equates to pain. And that's a story that we really get to liberate from our lives because that is not true. It is not true that we are meant to be in pain during a very sacred time of our cycle. So there's a variety of ways why period pain can arise within the female body. So I'm going to share kind of the three most common reasons as to why this manifests. The first and most common is called primary dysmenorrhea, which is most likely being caused by general inflammation of the body and is not being caused by other underlying medical conditions, okay? So when the body, the female body, and specifically the reproductive organs, so that's going to be our womb, our uterine tubes, our cervix, our ovaries, when those organs, you know, are in a state of inflammation, whether that is from poor nourishment or environmental toxins, which are just so rampant within our world right now. I just got off of another interview not too long ago where we were speaking about all of the toxins within our food and within our water that are detrimental to our reproductive health. That can cause inflammation. Stress, whether that's physical stress from under eating and over exercising or emotional stress from relationship challenges to financial trouble. Or, you know, a result of a lifestyle that just isn't in alignment with our female physiology. That can create inflammation. So as a result of inflammation, the body creates a chemical called prostaglandins. And these prostaglandins are released before and also during our bleed time, okay? And the prostaglandins themselves, they constrict the blood vessels in the uterus and they make the muscle layer contract, which is ultimately which would causes, excuse me, the cramps and the pain within the womb space. Now, Many people who experience dysmenorrhea also complain of symptoms that are not, you know, even necessarily connected to their reproductive organs, such as headaches and nausea and vomiting and, you know, maybe even diarrhea. And this is a result of those prostaglandins entering the bloodstream. So once those prostaglandins enter the bloodstream, that's when, you know, we are having a full-blown inflammatory response essentially to the experience of menstruation because menstruation in and of itself is inflammatory. 
even if you are not experiencing menstrual pain, you are you are releasing a certain amount of prostaglandins because you know your body is, is shedding and releasing and letting go of its own tissue. By nature's design, this is an inflammatory response, uh, but it's not meant to be severely inflammatory, right? And so as I said, when our nourishment isn't in alignment, when we have toxins in our environment, when there's stress, you know, from all of these different angles of life, this can create an increase of those prostaglandins. And they actually have measured higher amounts of prostaglandins in women who have period pain than in women who don't. Okay. So I would say primary dysmenorrhea is probably the most common reason why women have um, menstrual cramps and menstrual pain, which is actually, you know, it's a good thing because primary dysmenorrhea is not that challenging to address. When we shift up the diet and we shift up our lifestyles, we can tend to experience a lot of peace and resolution. But there are a couple of other reasons uh, that can contribute to menstrual pain. So the second one I'm going to speak about is kind of more of a hormonal condition. So menstrual pain can also be a result of when our sex hormones, specifically estrogen and progesterone, are imbalanced. Now, you'll probably hear a lot of, you know, female health practitioners speak about how when estrogen is uh, dominant, that can lead to period pain. But I see in my practice actually all the time women with normal estrogen levels who also have period pain. Uh, so it's not always that period pain is a result of estrogen dominance, but that can be another reason why period pain can manifest within our bodies. And then the third, which is unfortunately becoming more and more common, is going to be endometriosis. Now, endometriosis is a very complex and uh, inflammatory disease when essentially tissue that is similar to the endometrial lining, it actually begins to grow outside of the uterus itself and onto the fundus or the top of the uterus, the uterine tubes, it can grow on the ovaries, and it can even begin to grow on uh, organs outside of you know, our reproductive space, such as the bladder and the colon, and even the lungs. So the bladder and the colon, you know, the uterus actually kind of sits smack, smack dab in the middle of the bladder and the colon. So you know, when the tissue kind of grows onto those areas, it's not as uncommon, but they have found this type of tissue, you know, even in the lungs of women with endometriosis. And so essentially with endometriosis, the immune system is not recognizing the endometrial tissue that is present within the body and it's mounting an inflammatory response. And what can happen is, you know, excruciating period pain to the point where women are having to miss work, miss school, you know, not leave their home, stay in bed, just, you know, feeling just completely out for the count. 
And it can also result in pain during sex, pain with bowel movements or even urination, right? If there is that tissue growing on our colon or on our bladder, it can be painful when we're having to use those organs as well. It can result in chronic pelvic pain, bloating, fatigue, and then also infertility. So endometriosis is more of a complex immune condition than just a reproductive health condition. You know, kind of some train of thoughts that I've been following lately are are pointing to endometriosis actually being more of like an autoimmune condition than, than a reproductive health condition which at the end of the day, the body is such a cohesive unit that it doesn't always make sense to like break things down. Um, But it's just interesting to kind of see, you know, how women can best be treated with this. And endometriosis is affecting roughly 10% of reproductive age women and girls globally, according to the World Health Organization. So that's 190 million women. So Those are kind of the three main reasons, uh, you know, that I see personally within my life, within my practice uh, as to why women experience period pain. I would say, you know, kind of rating from most common to least common, at least within my practice is going to be primary, primary dysmenorrhea at the top, an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone in the middle there, and then endo at the bottom. It's not to say that, that any of those other ones are more uh, dominant than endometriosis. It's just not exactly what women are coming to me for, if that makes sense. But I thought I should include it in here because surprisingly, endometriosis is something that a lot of women still don't know about. And so if you've clicked on this episode because you're like, oh my gosh, I struggle with, with period pain galore, it's important to know that that could potentially be why, because it is really challenging to get an uh, endometriosis diagnosis. I believe you have to get surgery in order to be officially diagnosed with it, which is just like, it doesn't make any sense. But I wanted to include that in there in case there's anyone here that is like, I have literally done every single thing possible and I'm still experiencing excruciating period pain. You know, that could be... A reason behind that. And it's not to say that you can't heal endometriosis naturally. You can. Uh, you'll just want to be working with, you know, the right practitioner for that. So moving forward here, let's get into some ways that we can support the body um, when experiencing period pain in a way that is honoring of our multidimensional nature as women. All right, so let's start with some physical nourishment-based ways, as I shared earlier. So kind of going back to, you know, inflammation and, and high estrogen, two reasons that period can, period pain, excuse me, can manifest. We really want to be supporting the liver, okay? The liver is such an integral organ within our feminine physiology. And if the liver is clogged or if it's sluggish and it's not really robust, it's not going to be able to let alone, well, first and foremost, metabolize, you know, our own hormones and clear our own hormones, especially estrogen. Uh, But then it's not going to be able to be clearing the loads and loads of toxins that are just 
in our world, right? We, we truly are living in a toxic soup. And so when there's inflammation in the body, uh, it often means that we are not detoxing properly because our detox pathways aren't in integrity. And let me just clarify this, that there are other detox pathways to focus on in addition to the liver, but just for the sake of you know time and, and the length of this Q&A episode, we're just going to primarily focus on the liver today. Um, and I'm going to speak a little bit to the gut. So just a few ways to support your liver. First, that you've probably heard before, but is worth noting is going to be eating cruciferous vegetables. So eating cruciferous vegetables helps estrogen be detoxed through the proper pathways. So these are going to be vegetables such as arugula and bok choy, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, collard greens, horseradish, kale, radishes, turnips, watercress, and wasabi. And there's also research that these vegetables contain cancer-fighting nutrients, which is great as well. And I just want to kind of interject here because I've been open now with my journey with, well, kind of my more recent journey with hypothyroidism. And one of the foods that they recommend that you kind of limit and don't eat a lot of are cruciferous vegetables when you are struggling with your thyroid health. There's a compound in cruciferous vegetables called goitrogens that kind of inflict with uh, thyroid hormone production. And I kind of bought into that for a while. And, you know, after further research and just kind of, you know, listening to my intuition as well, you have to eat copious amounts of these vegetables in order to be blocking thyroid hormone production. So it's not to say, you know, eat five bucket loads of cruciferous vegetables a day, but, you know, two to three servings a day is beneficial for you no matter where you are within your health journey. So those are vegetables that really nourish the liver and keep the liver moving and grooving. Some of my favorite herbs are going to be dandelion root, burdock root, turmeric, and milk thistle. If you go to any natural food store, you can find a tincture or a tea or even a supplement that's going to have all of these herbs. Another one of my favorite recommendations, which is kind of a joint uh, gut and liver health recommendation, is going to be a daily raw carrot salad with coconut oil and some sea salt. You can even just have a raw carrot. The uh, carrot itself really helps to detoxify and bind estrogen within the body. So the way that we excrete estrogen, y'all, is through our poop. If we are not pooping, then that estrogen is essentially recirculating throughout the body and can cause a lot of the symptoms that we're seeing within, you know, female reproductive health, specifically as we're speaking today about period pain. Uh, so that is a good way, you know, regardless of whether your period pain is estrogen-based or if it's just inflammation-based, this raw carrot salad or just a raw carrot, you know, right off the stick, just eat it, uh, is going to support you. A couple supplements or a few supplements that I like are going to be NAC and DIM and glutathione. I do recommend, you know, if you are going to be playing around with some of these supplements to get more like professional guidance, that's, you know, why practitioners such as I are, are here because 
we want to be using those supplements intentionally. High quality protein is so important for the liver also because the liver needs protein in order to detox. Protein contains essential amino acids that our liver truly cannot function without. So don't buy into these juice fasts or whatever else, you know, is trying to be sold to us these days. You need protein in order to detoxify. Hydration is also extremely important for the liver. So that could look like mineralized water, herbal infusions, or adrenal cocktails. And then last but certainly not least is going to be moving your body and sweating. So if you have a hard time sweating, chances are your detox pathways are clogged. So get sweating. Find a sauna in your community that you can sit in, you know, at least twice a week and get get sweating. It's going to make a huge difference. So you know, sometimes people are like, well, why, why am I focusing on my like liver health if this is affecting my womb? And it's important for us to understand about the body that the place that you are experiencing those symptoms isn't necessarily the place that we want to focus on right away. So when we're focusing on like womb health and hormone health, we are actually focusing on, you know, other organs and other systems within the body because it's, you know, it's a feedback loop. If the liver is clogged and not operating in its most integrous way, if the gut is dysregulated and has dysbiosis, that's going to affect the womb. If our thyroid is dysregulated, that's going to affect ovulation. Like there's so many feedback systems and feedback loops within the body. So if you have period pain, I really suggest focusing on these liver health strategies that I just shared, especially once you have finished your bleed, okay? Uh, And throughout the cycle, because, well, especially in the beginning of your cycle in that follicular phase, because that's when estrogen is beginning to build again. If you are having more estrogen dominant period pain, Focusing on liver health in the follicular phase prior to ovulation is going to be a game changer for you, okay? One of the things that increases estrogen drastically is alcohol. So if you, you know, need to kind of be mindful of your alcohol consumption, that would be a good period of time to do it as well. All of these foods and nutrients that I just shared naturally fight inflammation also. So if you're not having estrogen dominant period pain and it's more primary dysmenorrhea, as I spoke about, all of those things are going to support you as well, right? They're fighting inflammation and inflammation can be a byproduct of a toxic sluggish liver. Okay. So in addition to liver health, gut health is equally as important. So making sure you're pooping at least once a day. This for me is something that I have to be like really, you know, mindful about within my own body, having hypothyroidism because my metabolism can slow down and it has slowed down. And so if I'm not pooping every single day, I'm not detoxifying to my greatest abilities. So keep that in mind. Uh, Other ways to support the gut, eating fiber-rich foods, consuming pre and probiotics, uh, high quality dairy if it's tolerable, and then also consuming a probiotic supplement if you see fit. 
If you are struggling with period pain, again, due to more estrogen detoxification, it's essential that you are starting in the gut. Essential, because this is how you get rid of excessive estrogen that is floating around in your system. Your gut has to metabolize it, and then it has to excrete it. And if those two things are not happening, then you will continue to have period pain. Another thing that I recommend to my clients who struggle with period pain is to identify what triggers could be contributing to this pain. So for some, this might be dairy, it might be gluten, it might be sugar, it might be alcohol. And we really will not know until we have experimented with our bodies, right? And I always say to my clients, you know, for those who might be a little bit more hesitant to cut some of these things out, another thing could be excessive caffeine, Um, I think, you know, if you're having a one cup of coffee a day, I wouldn't say that that's contributing to your period pain. But if you're someone that is living off of coffee and off of caffeine every single day, absolutely could be contributing to that. But what I was saying just a second ago was that if you're someone that has, you know, resistance towards cutting these things out, you don't necessarily need to cut them out for the whole cycle. While that's what I recommend and what I encourage for some people, it's just like, no, that's not going to happen, which, okay, let's, let's work with what we got here. So even seven to 10 days before you typically bleed can be helpful. So for example, like I'm working with a client right now and, and, you know, I really feel like alcohol is a huge trigger of her period pain. And I'm having her experiment and seeing if she cuts out alcohol for at least a week, ideally seven or at least a week, uh, ideally 10 days before her period is due. How is her period? Is it better? Is it less painful? Is it more manageable? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Etc. Okay. We are experimenting with the body. I am such an advocate of experimentation because why not? That is the only way that we find out what works for our body and what doesn't. A couple other things in terms of nourishment that I want to share here. So like an herbal remedy, kind of a tea that I love to recommend to my clients is going to be a blend of ginger and red raspberry and either motherwort or mugwort mixed with some lemon and raw honey. And these combination of these herbs are just really, really nourishing for the womb space, especially ginger and red raspberry leaf. I am just consuming so much of those two herbs and and roots when I am bleeding. It's just so beautiful to, you know, have those herbal allies in my life. And, you know, if it's hot where you are right now in the summer, you can drink these ice. You can make a big batch on the stove and then ice it so it's a little bit more, um, you know, kind of doable. But I encourage women to drink that leading up to their period, so three to five days before their period and then also afterwards. So the ginger, the red raspberry uh, leaf, and then also mugwort and motherwort, these are considered amenagog herbs. So amenagog herbs help to support and facilitate menstruation. 
So it can help to prepare the womb to bleed gently. You know, if you are kind of trying to like bring on your bleed, you know, a little bit earlier, these herbs can kind of help to gently get that started. They're not going to bring on a period that isn't, you know, supposed to happen for another week or so. They're not that strong, um, but they can kind of get things into gear a little bit. Another thing that is a game changer for a lot of people is magnesium. Um, I've probably said this on the podcast before, but our food supply is just so deficient in magnesium. I think it's a supplement that most people should be taking. Uh, and so you can consume magnesium either via supplementation or, you know, they make magnesium sprays. They also, you know, you can have an an Epsom salt bath and have the magnesium come in via your skin as well. Okay, so this helps to kind of soften the blood vessels in the uterus. It also helps our nervous system relax and just kind of take a breather. So that could be really helpful. Um, And the last thing I just kind of want to say around this is being mindful of, you know, those few days leading up to your period. For a lot of people, this makes a huge difference. If you can flood your body with nutrient-dense, you know, anti-inflammatory foods and herbs the week up to your period, especially if you have more primary dysmenorrhea, it's going to make a huge difference. And if you struggle with period pain, no matter how healthy you eat or how healthy you feel like you're eating, you're most likely experiencing um, a deeper hormonal imbalance that will need more like specific tailored things geared towards you and your lifestyle or endometriosis. And so that's why, again, I wanted to bring forward the endometriosis piece because I feel like we're doing period pain a disservice if we're not speaking about endometriosis because it's so prevalent within women's lives and women's bodies now and it's important that we know what this is so that we can help either ourselves or other women in our lives so please just keep that in mind moving forward what can also be supportive to period pain is intentionally bringing more movement and circulation and warmth to the womb before and also while you are bleeding So again, the uh, blood vessels within the uterus constrict when you are cold, right? When your womb is cold, those blood vessels constrict. And when they constrict, they get tight. And when they're tight, they can't breathe. They can't flow. They can't, you know, move energy through them. And so during and before our bleeds, we want to be consuming warm foods. I know I said, you know, you can have that tea iced. It's just excruciatingly hot today where I am. So the thought of, you know, even putting a hot tea into my body is like, uh, no way. Um, But, you know, for the most part, consuming warm foods while we bleed is going to be great. Hot water bottle or a heating pad, that warmth again is amazing yoni steaming before and after our bleed so we don't really want to be doing it during menstruation without specific guidance from a practitioner Um, but yoni steaming before especially can really create um, more flow more circulation more energy more warmth and it can just like give the womb some love it can give the womb some much needed love that you know 
I know so many of us are, are craving and desiring right now. A couple other things that are really simple but helpful are hip circles and deep womb breathing and keeping the feet warm. And then also self womb massage in, you know, the days leading up to your period with a warming oil such as jojoba or sesame. So everything I just kind of shared were, I hope, very practical lifestyle oriented ways of working to improve your experience with menstruation and period pain. And keep in mind, like these are all things you can do even if you don't have period pain. You know, I'm always focusing on my liver health. I'm doing a lot of these things leading up to my bleed and during my bleed to keep my womb warm and, you know, make sure that there is ample blood flow and energy flowing. Uh, especially because menstruation is this process of energy descending down, like blood descending down and releasing. And so we can get stagnant even when we are bleeding, even though it is naturally this, uh, this physiological event of letting go, there can still be stagnancy within that. So long way of saying a lot of these uh, things that I'm sharing are supportive for whether you have period pain or not. And, you know, these are really a a wonderful way to start and is the starting place for many people. However, for some who feel the call, period pain can be a deeper invitation into, you know, exploring more of our emotional environment and into some of the stories that might be held within our womb space. And so as I shared in the beginning of this episode, I want to invite you into a multidimensional way of approaching and healing period pain. And so I want to share here a little bit more about what I have observed over the last few years of the archetype of someone who struggles with period pain. Now, an archetype is essentially, you know, kind of a a character, a version, a character, a, you know, type of person that we can see within our lives, that we can see within ourselves, okay? There are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different archetypes, the maiden, the mother, so many types, right? And so over the years, as I've shared, I've kind of studied the woman who struggles with period pain and I've seen some commonalities. So I'm going to identify a few of those commonalities that I see pretty much across the board. And it doesn't mean that you might resonate with all of these things, but chances are you probably will resonate with a few. So the archetype of women who struggle with period pain, this woman typically has a hard time slowing down. She just goes and goes and goes and goes and doesn't stop until her body literally demands her to through excruciating period pain and cramps. This one is just so prevalent and I see it almost every single time. The women who are struggling with period pain within my space are high achievers. Maybe they work for themselves or they are the primary caretaker or, you know, receiver of income within their home. And they are just going and moving and pushing forward all 
of the time. And they have a lot of compassion for this, right? And, you know, we're not going to go into all of the different ways that we need to like deconstruct a lot of, you know, those values from our minds, because a lot of times it is coming from a place of survival. Um, Not always, but sometimes it can be coming from a place of, you know, survival and necessity. But then there's a lot of times where it's coming from conditioning and it's coming from like, this is what I need to do. This is what I have to do versus it being like the true reality of what is needed at this time within your life and within your family's life. And so within this kind of, you know, character or within this um, expression of this archetype, period pain is really seen as the body's intelligent way of saying, I need you to stop. I need you to slow down. And if you won't, I will literally force you to. I will force you to slow down by bringing you to your knees and cramps. So if that is something that's resonating with you, part of your emotional healing of your period pain is going to be identifying the places within you that feel like you are unworthy of slowing down or that you can't slow down because you can't sit with what might come up when you slow down. That's a really big thing for a lot of women is just going and going and going because there's fear around being in that space of having the time to feel and to truly think about your life and what is happening. So that's a big one that I see very often. Another piece within this archetype of the woman who struggles with period pain is this inability to let go of something that may not be serving you. So as I shared earlier, menstruation is this release, right? It's a physical release. It's an emotional release. It's an an energetic release, right? Like we are fully recalibrating when we bleed consciously, And in my experience, when women are unable to let go of something, whether that is their career, you know, a job that's not serving them or a relationship or a friendship or even this like ongoing uh, pattern within their life, this ongoing self-inflicting pattern, and they're not able to release that thing within their life it can manifest in its own ways as period pain, as kind of this symbolic way of our body saying, you know, I'm holding on to this thing that you don't want anymore, that I don't want anymore, and it kind of has to be stored somewhere. Menstruation is, again, this time when we are looking at our lives, when we're looking at that bigger picture. And so it is an invitation for you to really feel into those areas that may not be in alignment anymore. Another piece of this archetype is women who may not be, or who may be, excuse me, engaging in sexual experiences or having sexual partners that aren't serving them. Our womb is obviously so intricately connected to sex, to our sensuality, 
to our experience with, you know, receiving another person into our bodies. And if we do not feel safe in that experience, then that trauma can be held within the womb space. I was just speaking to um, another woman earlier today about cervical health. You know, we were speaking about how different sexual experiences when they're not coming from a place of consent can create physical disease within the cervix. And the cervix and the womb are so interconnected as well. So that could be a reason that period pain is manifesting. A big one, my love, a big, big one that I see within this archetype of someone who struggles with period pain is someone who is denying their feminine and operates more within their masculine. So by denying menstruation, by denying the cyclical essence of the female body, the womb is coming forward and saying, hello, I am here. I am your source of life. I am your center of gravity. I am your center of creativity and pleasure and expression and fertility and birth. I am truly what makes you a woman, right? Our wombs is what allow us to experience womanhood. I will never not say that statement. (laughs) So when we are denying our feminine, when we are denying our bodies, when we're denying our wombs, and we are instead pushing ourselves into this framework of masculine living and relating that is not beneficial to our system, The womb can express in this way. The womb is a deeply feminine organ. It is a yin organ. And it needs us to be receptive to our feminine power. Another way too, and it can kind of go both ways in my experience, is that when we're disconnected from our feminine, our womb can express within you know, kind of one side of the spectrum, which is period pain, but then it can also express on the other side of the spectrum, which is numbness and disconnection. So there's kind of two, two pieces to that coin. And then the last thing I'm going to say kind of about this archetype is typically for this woman who has period pain, there is a family history of period pain. There are women within the lineage that have cursed the womb, that have cursed their hormones, that have had their uteruses removed at young ages, you know, who have just spread the story that this is a part of being a woman, is experiencing menstrual pain. And it's now manifesting, you know, within this woman's body. And it's an invitation to like rewrite this narrative. You know, every time something manifests within our bodies that it has manifested within the other women within our lineage's bodies first, it is our invitation to heal that. And healing looks different. It doesn't necessarily mean it completely goes away. Maybe you come into greater acceptance with it. Maybe you learn to dive into it and listen to it. Maybe you get to the the physical root cause as to why that's manifesting. Again, there are so many different ways that we can approach this. And so really, you know, all of these things highlight and identify a greater emotional imbalance 
that can be taking place within the pelvis that needs to be addressed and met. So I hope that those, you know, those kind of pieces of the archetype make sense and and land for those of you who are listening to this. You know, I am someone that observes and I've worked with a lot of women over the last few years within their reproductive health and womb healing journeys and, you know, just observing and tracking patterns is something I do just, you know, through, you know, my own being. And these are kind of the, the patterns I just see continuously in women with period pain. And I think it's important to kind of cast those out and have them be known. And if you resonate with any of those, know that those things are again, part of your healing journey. They are a part of your healing journey. So for some women healing their period pain, is going to invite them into a journey of truly slowing down, learning to say no, and listening to those cues of the body when it's tired and when it's run down. For another, it might involve letting go of something, right? Like that job that isn't serving you or a toxic relationship and really working side by side with the energy of menstruation which is the energy of death and release and endings, right? That is what menstruation represents. It is the inner winter of our bodies. We can work with these energies to serve us within our life. And for another woman, healing period pain, you know, could look like rewriting the story she has about what it means for her to be a feminine being and begin to shift that story for the other women in her family that bleeding and menstruation and our hormones and our feminine essence, it's not a curse. It is a time, you know, this bleeding time is a time of remembrance, of reflection and returning to our inner compass. And of course, integrating all the lifestyle pieces, you know, it's so multidimensional. And I hope that this episode has supported you in seeing how healing our period pain is beyond just nutrition. It includes nutrition. Yes, yes, yes. But it's also about rewriting the relationship that you have to your body and what it means to be a woman. That is at the very, very core of it. Okay. So I'm going to leave you With all of that, I hope that this resonated for you. I hope that for those of you that answered or asked questions rather about period pain on my Q&A box, that this helped to illuminate some different ways to support yourself. And I also have two free resources for you that are going to be in the show notes. So the first is my sacred menstruation guide. This has been a guide that I have had for a while now. Maybe you have it if you have been a longtime follower of my work. Maybe you don't. But regardless, it is a great resource to begin to tap into how we can honor menstruation. Whether you have period pain or not, if you have period pain, I encourage you to honor menstruation. How can you listen and slow down and really begin to receive the messages that your body is sharing with you? 
The second is a meditation specifically designed for menstruation. And I recorded this for a client a few months back and it, you know, kind of recently resurfaced into my, you know, on my computer and whatnot. And I want to make it available for you guys. It's a really beautiful meditation. There is a playlist that I'm going to link below that I encourage you to listen, listen to it next to. Um, I'm not savvy enough to sync up music to my meditations just yet. I would like to get there, but we're still a one woman show y'all. So we've got a little bit of work to do with that. Um, but all of those things will be in the show notes as well as ways that you can work with me. I am almost always taking one-on-one clients in my practice. I primarily support women who are experiencing menstrual imbalances, womb health imbalances, such as period pain and PMS and irregular cycles and transitioning off birth control and those who want to focus on their fertility. Uh, And for the women who are desiring more of this multidimensional approach, you know, I work with the whole woman, body, mind, and soul, and really seek to address these imbalances from a physical and also an emotional root perspective. It's so important that we are tending to the whole body. So with all of that being said, I'm going to let you go. It is five o'clock here. I have been recording podcasts since 10 a.m. I am tired and my body needs to be stretched and moved and walked and touched and loved. So I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, however you are choosing to spend it. Thank you for being here with me today and I will see you in the next episode. Bye love. All right, lovely. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rootmoom Collective podcast. It means the absolute world when you leave a rating or rate the show. So if you found value in today's conversation, please share the message, share the medicine with your community. If you want to plug into all of the magic happening in the collective, feel free to join me on Instagram at Root and Womb Co. And you can check out all of our offerings over at the website, rootandwombcollective.com. I will see you next time.